Welcome back to Investigate Joe Rogan, the podcast where I fact check things said on the Joe Rogan experience. Today I'll be looking at episode 1501 with James Lindsay. Most of what was said in episode 1501 was either true or more a matter of opinion. I think that even a person who disagreed with his interpretation would agree that he has the facts correct. Obviously somebody with a more liberal view would disagree with his opinions, but they would agree that he, he at least has the facts right. A few things in this episode, though, are wrong, and I shall address these things. The first is that Lindsay connects the famous Jonathan Edwards sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, to the Salem witch trials and uh, burning at the stake. He said that this sort of caused all that to happen. Now, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God was first delivered in 1741, and the Salem witch trials were in 1692. So this particular sermon and the Great Awakening in general were not the cause of the Salem witch trials. They were, in fact, unrelated things that happened 50 years later. Also, nobody got burned at the stake in the Salem Witch Trials. That's a common misconception. Now, obviously, a lot of the first part of this episode, like the first part of many episodes, is just them talking about Twitter. Like many guests, this is becoming a trend. Lindsay says that Twitter is horrible and it's horrible for you and it gives you mental health problems and it'll drive you insane and it's terrible. But then he, he says, you know, yeah, I'm on there like several hours every day. You know, of course, I'm on Twitter, you know, all day, every day. And I think what I'm slowly realizing after guest after guest says this same thing is that Twitter is essentially League of Legends for people who are really into politics. If you talk to people who play League of Legends a lot, they, they will admit that the game infuriates them. They're shouting at their you know, teammates, they're having like rage-induced aneurysms, you know, it keeps them up at night thinking about League of Legends, and they're just furious. But they keep playing it all the time because they've got to you know, rank up and then win and whatever. And I think that's what Twitter is like. These people are sort of addicted to the, the rush and the anger of insulting and arguing with strangers. It's very strange behavior, but I think I have at last found an appropriate parallel in League of Legends. Now, several questionable things are also said when they talk about health-related subjects. And I would be remiss if I did not talk about Rogan's bizarre supplement diet that he explained in this episode. He says that he takes 5,000 IU of vitamin D every day, 4,000 milligrams of vitamin C every day, and that he gets a 10,000 milligram IV of vitamin C once a week. 
Now, if you look at the actual you know, recommendations for these things by doctors, what you see is that for vitamin D, only 600 IU is recommended daily, and that 4,000 is what's known as the tolerable upper intake level. Tolerable upper intake level is, a, is essentially the maximum daily average that you could take of something where there's no risk of adverse health effects for basically any normal person. So he, not only is he taking way more vitamin D than is necessary, he has actually gone a thousand IU beyond the tolerable upper intake level. He has truly ascended and is just totally beyond anything and is just vitamin D'd out of his mind. And vitamin C is even, even worse because you'll, you'll see recommended uh, daily dosages vary. But basically what you'll see is something around 40 to 100 milligrams per day. And he said he takes 4,000 and then gets a 10,000 IV once a week. So why, why is he doing this? You know, I, I just don't... <laughs> I do not understand why he does this. He didn't explain in the episode why, except, of course, his sort of... Uh, his, his thought that it will keep you healthy, possibly it will prevent coronavirus. But I would like to get some sort of an explanation for this, frankly, bizarre behavior. There seems to be something about L.A., which is where Rogan lives, obviously, that causes people to do strange things like this. You know, there's all the weird Gwyneth Paltrow stuff, and you know, a lot of people in L.A. are into crystals and magic and oils and things. Maybe the air quality in L.A. is just so bad that you legitimately do need to take this much vitamin C. You really do need to basically replace your blood with vitamin C and just pump orange juice through your veins to tolerate the pollution. But I don't know. I, I want some sort of an explanation for this. Lindsay says around this sort of general health part of the discussion, that you will lose 20 pounds swimming across the English Channel. This is not true unless one of your limbs get bit off by a shark or something during the journey. Uh, you can't just lose 20 pounds like that. Lindsay also says that he thinks kids hate vegetables because they haven't learned to process the taste yet, and sort of implies that he thinks that they cannot taste vegetables based on his experience of hitting his head and losing his sense of smell. Now, a quick sidebar here. How many people in the Roganverse have sustained a major head injury? Rogan himself, in various episodes, has stated that he thinks he has brain damage. Alex Jones, in his second appearance, says he thinks he has brain damage due to a fight he got in as a teenager. Shub probably has brain damage. You know, Eddie Bravo might as well. And then Lindsay also says that he, he took a major head injury. So 
I'm sensing sort of a theme here, but I guess more research would have to be done. <laughs> now, his, his idea about kids and vegetables is sort of right, but there are actually a few reasons or ideas as to why kids do not enjoy vegetables. One is that kids need a lot of energy since they're always running around and they're way more hyperactive than adults. And vegetables have almost no calories. So their bodies sort of don't like it because it doesn't give them much fuel for running around in circles or whatever. Vegetables are also bitter, which is a sign of toxicity in nature. And kids act more on instinct than adults do. So an adult tastes the bitterness, but they don't immediately think, ah, oh, it's toxic. But kids are more instinct-driven, so they do think that. Their bodies also have a lesser capability to detoxify things. So they sort of rightfully fear bitter things. It's also thought that they just haven't had the time to build up the tolerance to bitterness, uh, which is more of an acquired taste. And that's, that's sort of what Lindsay was talking about. And there is also this idea of paired associative learning where kids associate things like ice cream and candy with fun events and rewards and cool things happening. But they associate vegetables with, you know, nagging parents. So there's a psychological component as well, probably. And I thought this was pretty interesting, even though it pretty much doesn't pertain at all to most of what Lindsay talked about. I thought it was cool. Now, also somewhat related to vegetables, in a way, Lindsay says that there was a protest Fatty Olympics held by fat activists nearby the London Olympics. And so I typed Fatty Olympics into my search engine and I saw horrible things from DeviantArt. So do not look into the Fatty Olympics unless you want your eyeballs to be exposed to some unfortunate drawings. And also, I don't think that the Fatty Olympics are a real thing that happened. I couldn't find anything about them. All I found was nearly spherical uh, Sonic the Hedgehog depictions. And I wish I hadn't. But I, I get that this is something that fat activists might want to do. It seems like the sort of thing they would do. But I don't think this actually happened. I think there's just a lot of drawings of Sonic that I wish I hadn't seen. Now, something small in this episode, something that most people probably didn't even notice, actually helped me to unlock one of the secrets of a previous episode of Jerry. Lindsay mentions the term redlining, a term which prior to this episode I was unfamiliar with, and it is used to describe instances where people deny services and things to black people without explicitly banning them. So there, there would be nothing on the books that said, oh, we will not lend money to black people or whatever. 
but in practice they just sort of don't you know if a black person comes in they'll just say oh you know you don't qualify but they don't really give an explanation and they, they just sort of casually move on so if you recall in episode 1485 of jerry with crystal ball and sagar crystal ball says that trump quote red lighted with his daddy into nine black people and if you recall i remember saying that i had no idea what she meant by this and i could not figure it out but now i understand what she meant to say was that trump redlined black people with his dad she was referring to a 1973 court case where trump and his dad were sued by the department of justice over whether or not they had been discriminating against black people in their renting practices. And the nine comes from something that happens during the trial. So during the trial, a few people who worked for Trump said that they would secretly label black people's applications with a nine. And this was sort of their code to not rent to these people, if you couldn't tell by their name that they were black. So the mystery is explained at last. What she should have said was Trump redlined black people with his dad and they used the code nine to do this. What she said instead makes it sound like there was some sort of car accident, like he redlighted into people, into nine people, but now, at last, I have deciphered what she meant. Now, the last thing I'll talk about is towards the end, they say Obama was a fan of Derrick Bell and a friend of someone who was in the Weathermen. Now, the first part of this is true. Obama was a fan of Derrick Bell. And when Obama was a professor, he talked about Derrick Bell in his classes. But the second part of this is not true. While Obama did know... Bill Ayers, former uh, weatherman, there's no evidence that they were personal friends or anything like that. And Bill was trying to secretly convince Obama that they need to bomb people to stop the Vietnam War or whatever. They were just both members of the Chicago political scene and ran in the same circles. They certainly knew each other, but I could not find any evidence to suggest that they were personal friends or anything like that. That is all for this episode. I guess it's another short one. I'm not sure what episode I'll investigate next, but if you have any ideas for what I should investigate, uh, you can email me or you can message me on Twitter. If you do message me on Twitter, hopefully you will be able to access the website without going insane uh, and getting a rage-induced aneurysm and insulting strangers. But anyway, thank you for listening. Tell all your friends. And see you next episode.